making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show, 2 o'clock hour kicking off now. I'm Jay Catch, joined by my fellow co-host, Adrian Leiser, Brian Brown behind the glass today, pushing all the buttons for us. All right, Adrian, Joe Ingles, of course, uh, one of the key parts of what the Jazz have done recently with their stretch, him entering the starting lineup has kind of been a big part of why they've been as good as they have been, and I don't think he's going to come back out of the starting lineup, even when Mike Conley returns. I think what you're saying is you move um, Royce O'Neal to the bench unit and bring I think him off so. the bench. Because I Joe, think they realize, I think the coaches realize that Joe... He needs to start. I mean, it's not a shocker that yeah. players play better with better players around them, Correct. but he is, one, he is someone who truly does flourish yeah. in that role. We had Michael Smith on, of course he does pre-half and post-game with AT&T Sportsnet on with DJ and PK earlier this week, and he said when you put Joe Ingles with guys where he's the third or fourth best player in the lineup, you put him in that type of a lineup, he says his skills, quote, shine. And that's exactly what it is. Joe is yeah. so good as a complimentary piece around other talented players that he, all he does is boost those players' ability. And I, I think that's the big reason why you're, yeah, you're going to see him staying in the starting lineup for the yeah. rest of the season. I, I totally agree. And uh, I think Royce did a nice job in the starting lineup. I think they that starting lineup did really well. Yeah. But you know when Conley returns, it's going to be they're going to have a lot of depth with the addition of Jordan Clarkson. Correct. So. Yeah. So Royce O'Neal is a guy who's going to make a lot of money this offseason. He's proven what he can do at the NBA level. The nice part about him is I think he's more than capable of coming off the bench and having an impact. Yeah. So we'll see and I happens. think he wants to stay. He so. does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But of course, Joe Ingles is on with DJ and PK weekly. He joined us yesterday morning. Speaking of David James and Patrick Kinahan, had some great thoughts on Jordan Clarkson joining the lineup. His start being in the starting lineup and also well why aren't you paying people to build beds for you joe so here you go here's the joe ingles show with dj the joe ingles show is brought to you by your hard-working friends in mountainland supply for all your plumbing and irrigation needs go to mountainlandsupply.com joe good morning good morning how are we doing we're doing well how are you fantastic welcome to 2020 joe way to kick it off with a win it was right. Um, I just, you know, think about the thing that you said when it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when we win before I come on. And so yep. that's what we, like I said, we've talked about it pre-game before and we'll continue to do that. I figured you brought it up during the timeout in the third quarter. I thought that's where the game really changed. I actually was anticipating a big third quarter. This happened back in the Stockton Malone era when they were really good and went to the NBA Finals. They seemed to take a measure of a team in the first half, and they might be up by four or five, but they would drop the hammer in the third quarter. They would have adjusted to whatever new thing the other team had cooked up that they hadn't really prepped for, and they'd adjust to that, and they'd figure it out, and they'd drop the hammer in the third quarter. And I've seen you guys doing that quite a bit, and I thought it was going to happen and it didn't that first minute and a half and then there's a timeout and you'd had like three turnovers they've got a 7-0 run and you came out of that timeout with a 12-0 run and pretty quick you had to go to the bench and I thought that was the biggest part of the game the bench came in and gave you a really solid stretch and I know you've acquired a new guy and roles have changed for other guys but it seems like it's all coming together for the bench group yeah um, uh, I think uh, I think going back, kind of going back to the game. I think 
um, they play, and we talked about it before the game, we, when you get used to playing against a certain um, style of defense, um, it, it takes a little while to adjust. And um, for the people that just watch the games and aren't really understanding what's going on, the, the, the defense they played was extremely different to what we faced all year. So um, it, it takes a second to, to find the reads and, and figure out exactly kind of what we're doing and what we want to attack. And then I think obviously in the second half, we were, we were a lot better at it. And um, yeah, the benches, I mean, the bench has been huge. JC has been a, obviously a um, very nice addition. Um, he, he's fit in obviously great with the guys. He, he, he's a great guy off the court and, um, obviously what he can do on court with that unit, being aggressive and um, kind of just doing, I guess, what he's done for his career um, is obviously something that's really helped us. Joe, that game was so exciting that I was screaming and I've lost my voice this morning. So bear with me, please. But nevertheless, <laughs> I that explain, you talk about that defense, that, that it wasn't really a, a traditional pick and roll with Rudy rolling, and it's like you were firing passes from 10 feet away, and he was going up and dunking it. There was a couple of those. Can you explain what was going on and how different that was? Yeah, so usually, not all the time, obviously, but majority of the, the bigs that, that play in the NBA and that we play against, um, are kind of dropped all the way under the basket, and it's kind of the guard can use the pick and roll and it's kind of two on one against the, the big. Um, they've obviously with, with the, the young guys they've got and the, the mobile kind of big guys that they've got, they, they put their big all the way up at the point of the pick and roll. So when you come off the pick and roll, the big guy's standing right in front of you. So the, um, the backside, the two guys that are on the, the weak side stand in the paint and they try and protect Rudy. And then, um, either the pass to Rudy or the, the skip pass over the top is the one that's open. And then they, their defense, the, the one guy who's guarding two takes the first one and the second guy kind of closes out to the, to the other guy. So um, I think it's more, we, we saw it in the playoffs against OKC that year with um, the year we beat them. They, they, they did the same thing that year. Um, it's a more, it's a more aggressive um You've got to be you've got to be really good at it to do it, um, but it's aggressive. You're trying to trying to go for steals. Um, it's really it really stops the the first initial action. So usually me and me and Donovan, who probably play the most pick and rolls, will, will be able to come off an action and kind of pick apart the defense depending on the on the style that they're playing. This one makes you um, four, five, six passes before you really get a, a, an open look. So as you solve the defense, you've still got to rotate new guys through and keep them French, fresh. And the bench unit uh, ended up every single guy uh, was positive in the plus-minus. And I know that stat can be misleading. Uh, but still, there was something to it yeah. in that game last night. Uh, you know, depending on who you're out there on the floor with and who you have to compete against, you know, that, that, that stat can get funky. But I thought it was really true and on point that you got a big boost at the end of the third quarter. And actually, I thought you were going to win comfortably the way the bench unit played. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I hate the, the plus-minus. Plus minus. I just don't think it's um, – kind of like you said, it could be – so inaccurate um 
And for a, a fan watching, you can go on there and, and look, Joe Ingles played 28 minutes or whatever and was minus 15. But there's so many other things that, that go on in the game and um, you might have just subbed in and they go on a little run but then like it, and you get taken out. There's so, there's so many um, ifs or buts about it. But um, they, they've been great. I, I think I think the bench um, unit since I left it has got a lot better. <laughs> um but they've, we've kind of figured it out along the way. We've figured out guys, obviously, where they can be aggressive. And like you said, adding um, Jordan now and us figuring out what, what he likes to do and where he, he can be aggressive and where he's, he takes the possession off and, and just figuring out his style is, um, has been really good. And like I said, he's, he's been a huge impact for us coming off that bench. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, Joe. You got a tee. Have you ever been thrown out? Because I thought it might happen. Uh, I was, I think I was trying for a second there. I didn't, I don't want to say I like blanked out with what I said, but I don't remember what I said, but I was so mad that I, um, I need to, I need to, I need to hold my frustrations in a little bit, but I mean, I, I, I thought I clearly got fouled and they didn't call it. Um, so I was, I was frustrated, but, um, my wife's actually listening, driving to the gym right now. She'll be mad that I, uh, Cost me what twenty five hundred bucks or something, so um, <laughs> she might have to cancel her gym membership for a week or two. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I think you can afford it. And with that in mind, what in the world are you doing on the floor making beds? Hire somebody to make them for you. Absolutely not. It's what I've <laughs> I've said. We were obviously I, I obviously wanted to do it. Um, a lot of people, all my coaches, the coaching staff, and everyone was like, "Why don't you just hire? You can like get someone to do all those apps that you can get, like whatever it is. Um, all the store you buy it from, you can pay like fifty bucks or whatever, yep. and they come and do it for you." But um, I think as a as a parent, that's why you you want to be a parent. You want to do the things for your kids. That I remember my family building things for me, and and as you get older and all that, and now that I've obviously got three-and-a-half-year-olds building their presents the night before Christmas and stuff like that is something that I get a, a lot of uh, a lot of joy out of doing. And Renee and I um, do it all together. She was in there as well, um, videoing me for a lot of it, uh, laughing at me. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just something that, to me, to me, when you decide or you figure out that you're becoming a, a parent, um, for me especially, it was like, well, I... I wanted to do this for so long I try to um, get Renee pregnant for a lot longer than what we've had kids for um, but that's what that's why you do it because you want to have kids you want to do everything for your kids and, and that was a part of it, it was a, a big step in our household going to, to big kid beds and um, just for a side note they've slept amazingly in them um, haven't got out of them yet which is even better um, but I haven't really been home so Renee's doing all the hard work right now So I can tell you that 
I'm at the total opposite end of the spectrum for you. My father and I, and I we you played this. You would never go to bed. No. I, I know you would never go to bed. Absolutely not. We, and actually, it was more on my father-in-law than me, because when my, my, fir- my first kid was born, my son was born, my daughter's younger, uh, they decided, my in-laws decided they were going to get us a crib as a gift, and went to the store, and they offered, like you say, that option where you can pay them you know, a few extra bucks, and they, they come do it. And yeah. so my father-in-law does that, and we play this silly card game cribbage, and we're sitting there playing in the living room, and the game, and we had a game on. I don't remember what it was. And we hear the guy thump his hand and yelp in pain. And to his credit, he kept it G-rated, but he probably didn't want to. And my father looked at me without missing a beat and said, "Best twenty bucks I ever spent." And that's funny. That's funny for him and for the guy back there. But like, you're a pro athlete, and seriously. You can't hurt yourself doing any of this stuff. And I've heard stories of NBA players getting up on roofs to hang Christmas lights and coaches going nuts. Like, you're an NBA player. You cannot be up on the roof. I know it's a normal thing to do, but you just can't do it. You've probably got, like, 50 things. I was doing things a and, bed. I wasn't up on the roof doing the bed. But if you, hit your, if, you hit your, if you hit your shooting hand, you shot the ball poorly for a month, one of your first months here, and you told us about it because you messed up the thumb on your shooting hand. You can't do that, Joe. I can tell you right now, and this is the honest truth, there's no way in hell anyone would ever be able to tell me not to do anything for my children. Building a bed, if my son said, get on the top of the roof and do a forward flip, I'm getting on the roof and doing a forward flip. Because, <laughs> like I said, as a parent, <clears throat> you do you obviously do anything for your children, and um, that's why I have kids. That's why I wanted kids, because I'm going to do everything I can for them. So if uh, if Miller told me to dress up like Elsa and Renee take a photo of it, then that's what happens. And there's photo evidence of that somewhere in the world. Um, but no, I'm going to continue. I actually did drill my, uh, I think I drilled my thumb a little bit on one of the beds, but it's all good. Why do you think Clarkson's fit in so well? Um, I think he's just come in and been himself. Um as boring as an answer as that is, but for his whole, I mean, we remember, I remember playing against him and our scout against him. And, um, it was always that he, he was so aggressive offensively that he, he wasn't afraid to, to be aggressive. And, uh, I think sometimes that gets kind of twisted in with like taking bad shots. I don't think he really takes bad shots. I think he's, he's so aggressive that he, he gets, he gets a lot of shots cause he is so aggressive. Um, and that's what we've we've needed. That's what we've missed. That's what our um, kind of second unit was missing with with whoever was out there. One of the starters with like Donovan and, and Jordan are out there together. I think at, at, um, for for a lot of Jordan's time, and um, he, he's just aggressive. That's what he does. I think um, honestly, the more surprising part, I guess, for me was how how locked in and good he is defensively. I, I never knew that playing against him because. He's so focused on what he's doing offensively, but um, he's on the weak side getting steals. He he rebounds well for a guard, and, and like I said, on the ball, he, he's been really good on the ball as well. So, um, yeah, all, all around he's fitted in really well. Like I said, off court, he, he's a great kid. Um, gets on gets on really well with all the guys and, and all that. And I think that's always tough when you come into a, a, a team or, or whatever at whatever point of a trade and you're coming into a group of guys that have known each other for a long time and a group of guys that have just lost 
two of their teammates um, in the same day, and then you, you're bringing in a new guy. I think it could be a pretty tough situation, but he's um, yeah, he's fitted in really well. Tony Bradley, six points, seven boards. He had an assist. He blocked two shots. That was the best stretch we've seen out of him. Have you seen that kind of stuff in practice, or was it a surprise to you too? No, I've seen. I mean, I've seen Tony do that a lot. I think he's. Um, I said the other day. I think it was a shoot around that. Um, he's he goes in and works hard every day, and um, we always joke with him about like just 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 go in there and just do your thing. Like you're, you're going to get an opportunity. It's going to it's going to come at some point. I don't know if it's this season or, or next week or whatever it is, but there's there's always going to be an opportunity as an NBA player and. As, and as cliche as it is, when when that opportunity comes, you've you've got to be ready and, and take it. And um, he was ready. He put in the work. Like I said, we'd seen it in in preseason. We'd seen it in our our private workouts or whatever in the in the summer. And um, the opportunity, and then getting opportunities is one thing, but then taking advantage of it and and taking advantage of it for a stretch now because I don't know how many games in a row he's kind of played now it's three or four probably um but the more he's out there you can see the more confident he gets each game and like you said i think he got a couple offensive rebounds he was tipping it out he um got to the read spot a few times and got to 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 get a couple dunks on on just being in the right position um and i think over time the more you play um that obviously becomes easier and easier well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, good luck on the rest of the road trip. And, and you know the drill. Just always try to win before you come on the air. That's, we talk about it constantly. <laughs> I thought you did. Joe, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No worries. Appreciate it, guys. Joe Ingles, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There you go, Joe Ingles. And he is not about to let people build furniture for him. No, he is not. And I actually applaud that. I think that's awesome. I think that's kind of part of the charm about who Joe Ingles is as a person. Like, he's an every man's man. He, he he doesn't mind getting down and making the beds, building the Christmas gifts for his kid on Christmas Eve night. Mm-hmm. I think that is fantastic. And I think that it, it endears him to more people, just him being that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah people like him. And uh, he... I mean, don't tell a parent, you know, yeah. what they're going to do. Well, it, DJ, like, I, I had a bunch of people like, screaming, like, why is DJ being so bad? I'm like, okay, DJ has one thought on this. Joe obviously has a different one, and they both kind of said their opinion. I just love the fact that Joe's like, there's no way in hell I'm yeah. letting. <laughs> it's just like, good. Good on yeah, you, dude. Yeah, it's a, it's a good parent. So yeah. uh, big thanks to Joe Ingles, uh, who joined DJ and PK. Um, of course, the Jazz tipping off at 5 o'clock today against the Orlando Magic. Um, and uh, 4 o'clock is when Jazz pregame will get going. Jake Scott and Coach Gordy Chiesa on the call tonight for pre-half and post. And, of course, David Locke and Ron Boone will be live from Orlando. And I'll move from this chair to Brian's chair. Sweet. Should be fun. It's a long one today. <laughs> well, I'm going to be heading down to Provo. I'm going to cover BYU tonight, so. Trade you. We'll get down about. We'll get you done about. I'll the same trade time. you. You'll trade me. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. No, I'm just kidding. I actually really enjoy doing the jazz games. But <laughs> Cougar uh, Tail on the menu tonight. Yeah. Um, I actually. The funny thing is, I don't know what the last time I had a Cougar Tail. Honestly, I just for me, those things. I, anybody who knows what a Cougar Tail is, it's just massive donut. 
that much butterscotch goes a long way for me for a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> you feel that one the next oh, day? Oh, I know. I feel it for months afterwards. I feel like I've never had one of those. You should try it sometime. It's worth trying. Yeah, can can, can they, confirm. Can you eat? Can confirm. Can you eat the whole thing? You like can. How long does that thing take? You can. I don't recommend it's it. You like, slip like into you really a gotta coma. be hungry. You slip into a sugar coma. Yeah, you might have a diabetic coma afterwards. Yeah. It, but they're they are good. There's no doubt about that. I just I'm butterscotch for me. Like I said, a little bit goes a long way. So after I've had one, it's I'm usually good yeah. for a bit. All right. Uh, so Jake will be down there at BYU tonight covering. BYU and Loyola. Marymount, yeah. As uh, Loyola Marymount is in town today with the WCC opener for BYU, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Utah also taking on number four, Oregon, today. Oregon coming off a loss to Colorado, uh, heading in to play the Utes. And former BYU coach Dave Rose is on hand to watch the Utes and the Ducks today, it looks like. I just saw somebody tweet out that he's at the game up there in the Huntsman Center. You know, living his best life. Good for you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, It's been fun to get to know Tim Lacombe a little bit, too, through the jazz uh season he's a really fun fun dude to get to know and he is rock star in the making i guess yeah as he uh he's in a band yeah pretty legit too. Well, you know, he's been in a band for quite a while yeah, he does a good heard, job with it i've heard it they're legit all right uh coming up on the other side more saturday show here on the zone sports network Saturday show. I'm Adrian Lizer here with Jake Hatch, Brian Brown behind the glass. Uh, you can follow Jake at Jacob C. Hatch. You can follow Brown at Brown Bear SLC on Twitter. You can follow me at AP Lizer and check out um, Brian's coverage with the Youth Zone and check out Jake's Cougar coverage on Locked On Cougars, mm-hmm. which is doing very well, by the way, that I've seen. It's been fun. Always enjoy doing it. All those people who have listened to you every single day of the year (laughs) and have spent thousands of minutes with you. 390 episodes and counting. Yeah, you do it daily. That's impressive. It's a lot of it's. Lot of I don't know how you haven't run out of BYU gifts yet. A lot of I I recycle. A lot oh, of those. okay. You There's a lot of recycling going uh, on with that. But check that out for uh, you BYU sports fans. Uh, he doesn't just do football and basketball. You do a lot of other stuff on yeah. the podcast. BYU well. men's volleyball kicked off their season last night with a win. Sweet. Who did they play? Lewis. Don't okay. I don't know anything about Lewis, Lewis College. Yeah. Um, the NFL playoffs have officially kicked off. As uh, the Buffalo Bills will have the ball first to start the NFL playoffs. So we'll keep you uh, posted on what's going on in this one. We're going to let you hear from Frank Schwab, who was on with uh, Scott Girard the, uh, yesterday. Talked a lot of NFL playoffs as well, so it's always good to get that uh, his opinion. Uh, but, Jake, you wanted to get into a bit of a Utah topic today. Yeah, so um – I wanted to put a bow on the Utah football season now that it's come to an end earlier this week in a 38-10 to loss in the Alamo Bowl to the University of Texas. Disappointing end of the season, obviously, losing back-to-back games in the Pac-12 championship to Oregon and then also losing to Texas in the bowl game. But because we have Brian behind the glass and his work with Ute Zone is second to none, they do an incredible job over there, wanted to have him as kind of our, I guess, featured guest from behind the glass. Ah, welcome to the show, Brian. <laughs> it's great to be with you guys. <laughs> so, Kate, Brian, let's, let's we're at the top here. How disappointing was the end of the season to see them lose back-to-back games where it appears that they were out physical when they're considered to be one of the more physical teams? Yeah, I think, it, like you said, the way they lost those games was as disappointing as anything. Um, you know, if it was a nail-biter, last-second kind of thing against Oregon okay maybe that's a little more excusable but to get pushed around almost the entire game the way that they did to go down 
so big so early and and then kind of scrap in a little bit and then just have Oregon seam roll back over the top was it was very disheartening it was something that you know I've been lucky enough to work pre and post with Hans and Frank throughout the season and we just sat there after the game like what happened Uh, especially after the Alamo Bowl because it was so out of character for that team and it's just you know I think some of it was they this team like when they get down and and, kind of get pushed around a little Mm -hmm. bit they just never clawed back against those teams that were superior athletically to them and and you know they've done a good job of having lots of senior leadership and everything like that, but I I think the crux of it is that if you don't get Zach Moss going and get him rolling and get that offense moving, the team just kind of bought into the fact that they weren't going to be able to do anything like that, mm-hmm. and and they just looked tired. You know we saw Lucky Foto get pancaked, which you just never see. Yeah. Um, and credit to Oregon, they were they were phenomenal up front. They came in and played loose, played with you know no. You know, no restrictions or anything like that, yeah. and I think that was a big part of it too. It's we've seen this with Kyle Whittingham over the years that he's slowly started to get better. He's always been great with his back up against the wall, and well, that's a good play for Buffalo to start things. Um, big rush up, by Josh Allen. Yeah, he's always been so good with his back up against the wall and and us against the world, and it's been hard to see him struggle as they've transitioned into being a known quantity in in the Pac-12 and I think that was part of it too is that they just the mentality is different when you're in that moment and you have an opportunity to capitalize and they just didn't take advantage um you can talk about body language and things like that all you want yeah um it was an attitude that just kind of lacked and you could see it on a lot of guys faces especially after the game in the Pac-12 championship where they felt like they let an opportunity slip through their fingers well, and one thing that stood out to me was Huntley post game against Texas when he said, "We took this as more of a vacation." I was very surprised to hear him say that. I, I almost think he was speaking as much for himself as he was the team right. as well, because yeah. he he didn't prepare and he didn't play the way that he has. And Texas Texas came prepared and they came with their effort was, I mean that was, I mean what's a cliche thing to say here is that was a Texas sized effort yeah, out of yeah. the University of Texas and they wanted to win that game. I didn't feel like it just like you say you can just break down body language all you want you can whatever and every player is going to tell you that they uh, wanted to win the game but they did not play like they had prepared to win the game. Yeah, well, and the one thing about Texas, and this is something PK mentioned, he talked to a bunch of the Texas media while he was down there covering the game, and Texas early in the season was decimated due to injury, particularly in their defensive secondary. They they were playing walk-ons at one point in yeah. multiple positions. They have gotten healthy in the latter half of the season and leading up to this bowl game. You have three, four weeks off. You can get a lot of guys back and playing. And Texas has got a lot of talent. They they brought it and they showed what they could do against Utah. And I know uh, my favorite. I think my favorite tweet during the game was Brandon Huffman, and you know him as well as I do, Brian. I used to work with twenty four seven Sports for a bit as well. He tweeted out, "Are we really going to have another off season of Texas is back?" Because of how they looked in this game. Yeah, then Utah. they'll be ranked 12th yeah. in the country next year in and the preseason. He's got a point there, but the, the the tough part is the tough part to stomach if you're a Utah fan or you're just observing Utah is you just look at it and say, what in the world happened to this team in the final month of this season? Because their normal November, November lull that we had all kind of gotten used to them having issues in November apparently decided to move to December this year. Well, and they, they beat up on so many bad teams, and I, I don't think... 
And I'll admit, I thought they were going to be in the playoff. I thought they should have been, the way they were steamrolling people. And I, I think they're – I think maybe they just really got rolling against bad teams, and they beat Washington, obviously. But Washington ended up being an eight-win team. And I, I, I think that had a lot to do with it, that the schedule didn't prepare them to play good opponents because they, they win their first three games pretty handily – against three bad opponents. Sorry, BYU, but you got worked in that game by Utah. Yeah. Then you lose to USC, which, you know, talented team. Then you rip off a bunch of wins against te- almost, like, this bad teams. And I don't think they were prepared. I think they rode the, you know, the, I don't know what happened, but that seemed to me that once it got tough, it was hard for them. Like, Brian, you were saying, it was hard to claw back out of being into a spot where, oh, we're behind. This is a this is a battle right now, and, and, and this is a team that's still developing depth. And now they've gone back to back years where they played fourteen games, and you mm-hmm. saw the injury bugs start to hit them towards the end of the season, especially mm-hmm. in that Oregon game where they lost two players to to knee injuries, uh, both safeties, and that depth I think hurt them a little bit about against Texas. They they missed Julian Blackman. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I was gonna say Julian Blackman in particular, and he probably made some money just by not being there and and you know <laughs> not having that film. Like, on oh, Oh, maybe record? that defense yeah. is pretty good with him in it. I see it, yeah. But I, I think the other aspect of it, too, is that this team, like, like Adrian was saying, after that Washington game, they were hungry for another opportunity, and they didn't get anything. They looked yeah. so bored against UCLA mm-hmm. and Arizona and Colorado. Yeah. Like, isn't anybody going to challenge us? And that's the danger of a workmanlike team where you just handle your business all the time, never too high, never too low, is sometimes you can just zone out yeah. and just go through the motions. And it it still feels like it's hard work because that's what you've done all year. Yeah. But you have to have that passion and that excitement for the end of the year and, and have a killer instinct. And the other thing, too, I think it showed itself first in the USC game. They started to tighten up when things got really close. Mm-hmm. And it was scared to lose rather than, I don't care what happens, I'm going to go out and make plays to win. And that's a mentality that has to change. You watch the programs that go out and dominate those big-time games. I think Washington over the years has proven that they've built that mentality and it's another bad cliche, but they fight like dogs in those games. Yep. You know, they're yeah. aggressive. They attack. Mm-hmm. They walk on the field like they own it, and and that's something that Utah really needs to establish. It, you know, culturally, whatever it is, you have to do. Every time you walk on the football field, you have to know deep down inside that you're the best team and you're going to win and no matter what happens in that game that you're going to be the aggressor and i think that's really what they've lacked and the the difference too real quick jake sorry but you know you compare them to a team that's in the final the college football final right here in clemson they face maybe even a worse record or worse schedule than utah did in their conference and they because they have that tradition of knowing what it takes to get over that hump, Clemson, and they, you know, they have more talent. That's just because you're you're Clemson. But uh, to me, that stands out a little bit. Is even though you can say maybe we're a little bored, but they, they I, that's a good way to put it. It kind of looked like they were like, oh man, we are just steamrolling guys. Yeah, and that's the thing. Utah's been very good as a front-running team in games. When they get out to a lead, you're not you're not clawing your way back into it. But also conversely, the the it's also conversely true. They fall behind. 
they struggle to get back into games. That's I think that's kind of the hallmark of the season. We're out of time in this segment, so let's. I, I want to talk a little bit more about this. So let's do three thirty. Yeah. Should we bring this back around? I want to have a couple. You of can do points. it next to. Well, I think we're going to do our new segment, the lo- local look. Oh yeah, we got to do that. The local look in. Yeah, I can't. I can't get rid of that after one week. I know. I like that idea. Yeah. So we're okay. going to do that next. Um, we're going to, of course, we're going to get to Frank Schwab and the NFL playoffs at three o'clock, and we'll dive back into this at three thirty. So I've got some other thoughts I want to talk about with Utah and get Brian's insight on that as well. So we'll have that all covered for you. But coming up next the local look-in is that what we're calling it local look-in the local look-in jake and i have some stories of other sports maybe you haven't been paying attention to uh utah women's basketball played a top three team last night played about a, the, the men's team's and, playing a top four team right now yep and uh, the women will play another top three team uh, i think tomorrow so correct uh, we'll get you a preview of that also jake mentioned byu men's volleyball kicked off or served off the season last night, and he'll tell you about how that one went. So there's a lot to talk about. The local look in coming up next here on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Adrian Lizer, Jake Hatch, Brian behind the glass. And uh, we're having a good time here on a Saturday. Monster Jam going on in the background. It's probably dying down now. I think the show's about over. for the, Well, they're doing another show tonight, obviously. I think they are, yes. I will be here for all the the uh, engine-revving excitement. If you've never been to a monster truck rally like Monster Jam... I highly recommend it. They There's are something fun. about you know. I'm not really a big monster. <laughs> oh no, not me neither. Me either, but but you, you, like I stuck my head in there. And there's there's something about seeing a, a vehicle that big go flying through the air. You're just like yeah. Well, this when a car revs its yeah. motor and yeah. it damn near gives you a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like oh, okay. I, I'm it's, not really into this, but I could watch that. It's, for it's a enjoyable. Yeah, like, it they're fun. It's so. for sure. All right, uh, let's get into the lo- uh, local look in Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start. Uh, this kind of I kind of came up with this because there's a lot of sports that. I think people, if you, especially if you're a fan of the universities, you don't really watch a lot of the sports, but you really are excited when they win, yeah. even if you don't watch. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to go through a couple scores, and we'll get uh, just down the women's basketball side. Jake, BYU right now in action against Portland. Uh, BYU is up 11-5 to in that one. Uh, Coach Judkins hitting the 400-win plateau. Yep. Congratulations to uh, Coach Judkins. Winningest coach in BYU history. I, mean, you know, I didn't say BYU basketball, BYU history. And his uh, his son was my uh, coach in high school, my volleyball coach cool. at Skyline, Jordan. So shout-out to the Judkins family. Juddy's a great dude. Um, also in women's basketball, University of Utah, they played at Oregon State yesterday, number three Oregon State, Jake. They lost 77-48. to Okay, wow. So they kind of got rolled in that one. Tomorrow, they take on number two, Oregon, who yesterday just beat Colorado 104-46. to 104-46, to 46. wow. So uh, Utah's going to – they better, you know, they better be ready to play in this one as they lost it. Pretty cool that Oregon and Oregon State, though, in women's basketball are 2-3 in the country. Yeah, they got some talent up there. Yeah. And it's, uh, you look at it, and it's kind of funny how women's basketball works. Like UConn with Gino Ariema, one of the elite programs. Yeah, Stanford yeah. for years has been great. Yep. Oregon's been good for a little bit here, but to see Oregon State now joining yeah. the mix, very and, uh, interesting. Corvallis, I've driven through Corvallis many times. I don't know if you guys have been to Corvallis. I have, actually. It is a, that would be a difficult place to recruit to just because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to get to, and uh, you don't have that Uncle Phil money. It's out of the way. It's out of the way, mm-hmm. but anyway. 
All right, um, let's talk about the local basketball teams a little bit as well. Yeah. Because you got Utah facing off against number four Oregon here in just a matter of minutes. Uh, Three o'clock tip off on the Pac-12 network. Utah ten and three on the season. Oregon eleven and three. Uh, the Ducks taking a loss. At Boulder against the Colorado Buffaloes in their Pac-12 opener, Utah conversely beating Oregon State by 12. I think this Utah team, I think they're going to be pretty good. I, I I'm still looking at the kind of the projections for the NCAA tournament. They're still in that kind of that the fringe group, that first four out group right mm-hmm. now. But if they can put together some wins and none bigger than obviously a win over number four Oregon that would really help yourself. But. Yeah, they had they had that great win against Kentucky and then mm-hmm. just went out and got pummeled by San Diego State. And yeah. so that was that's why I'm like, where is this Utah team? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna find Ken out. Ken Pomeroy has yeah. them one hundred and first still. So okay. they've got a long way to go to climb up that ladder. Let's put it this way, if they have a good run here in the Pac twelve, we could find three teams in the state going to the NCAA tournament yeah. this year. Because Utah State very much looks like the second best team in the West and not in the West Coast, the Mountain West Conference. They're facing off against the best team in the Mountain West tonight at home there in Logan. Big Number game thirteen tonight. San Diego State, one of two remaining unbeaten teams in the country. Eight o'clock tonight on the CBS Sports Network. The Aggies right now, if they can get Nemish Keta back healthy in any way, shape, or form here in conference play, they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. According to what I've seen, he's a game-time decision for tonight's game against the Aztecs. They're going to need him tonight because San Diego State, they're very, very good. Yeah, very good. Uh, like I mentioned, they demolished Utah, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it should be a good game, though. Hopefully uh, Utah State... Hey, when they In the big games, Utah State shows up. So uh, I'm excited to see that one. And uh, um, BYU taking yeah, on Loyal Marymount, Marymount today. tonight. BYU right now, according to all the metrics, KenPalm.com, a lot of the projections from the bracketologists have BYU making the NCAA tournament out of the West Coast Conference. I think it would be a massive accomplishment for Mark Pope in his first year. He's got a senior-laden team. Biggest thing for BYU to look forward in terms of conference play is they cannot have losses against teams like Loyola Marymount. Yeah. Those have been bugaboos they've had in the past. They cannot have it this year. Yeah, those are the games that the Gonzagas don't lose. Exactly. Even so. if they were trailing who? Uh, uh, they were Portland. Portland. The worst, the worst team in yeah, the Yeah, they were trailing, then they just ended they up running away yeah. with it. So those are the kind of games you can't lose in a conference that has a really weak bottom. And then one other thing for you, Adrian, before we go here, uh, you're a big volleyball guy, obviously. I am. Number three, BYU men's volleyball. They returned all but one significant contributor to their squad this year. They've got national title aspirations, as they do pretty much every year. Yeah. Let's be real. There's like 16 teams I, in men's I'm volleyball. aware. Yeah. But they were at, on the road to open up their season last night at Loyola Chicago. Uh, they beat Loyola Chicago three sets to one, and now they're going to face off against Lewis tonight oh, in okay. Romeoville, Illinois. Sounds like a lovely place. I know. Romeoville, Illinois. There you go. Uh, so uh, BYU volleyball, always great. And uh, I've always had a great admiration for BYU fans who fill that place up to go watch. They fill up Smithfield House to watch um, uh, BYU play, both men's and women's. I've been to a a lot of Utah matches because it's close, and so I go up there. It's half empty, very empty most of the time, even though they were a ranked team this year. So uh, hopefully more Utah fans can get in, get into the women's volleyball scene because they are going to be good next year too yeah. up there at Utah. So. Volleyball is a fun sport to watch. Yeah, nonstop action. Yeah, and never stops. You got guys at BYU like Davide Gardini. He's the son of a former Italian international star playing oh, for amazing. BYU. He had 21 kills, hitting 424 last night for BYU in their wins. So. That is good if you aren't aware. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Is very it's good. A, like 424. It's kind of the it's analogy. It's the ba- the hitting average in baseball. 300s the 
Mendoza line, obviously. Right. Good, good. You're hitting 424 in men's volleyball. You're hitting a high clip. Uh, if you're hitting 250 in volleyball, you're having a really nice day. So, there you so, go. Uh, all right, that's the local look in. We'll bring that back. It's. When uh, there isn't any five minutes of soccer, that's yeah. when we go with that one. So, all right, uh, coming up on the other side, Frank Schwab joined Scott Gerard. We'll let you hear from that uh, from him. Coming up next, uh, hour number three of the Saturday show, coming your way here on the Zone Sports Network.